This week on Excelsior Journeys, it is part three of the Transformers the Movies 35th anniversary celebration. This time we are talking about the music behind the action. And we have Vince DiCola returning to this show to talk about doing the score, the soundtrack, and everything that happened afterwards. You are going to have a blast, just as I did. JLD, do the honors. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. Welcome to this very special Excelsior Journeys miniseries, celebrating the 35th anniversary of Transformers the Movie. Every Tuesday in August, you will hear from various cast and crew members and other special guests discussing the development, the voices, the music, the aftermath, and the film's legacy. So get ready to go beyond good, beyond evil, beyond your wildest imagination. Till all are one and ever upward. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. This is George Soroy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for tuning in for over 100 episodes. We are here at episode 101. We are ending season three on such a high note between this episode and the next two weeks. So excited for what we have in store for you. Um, If you are a Transformers fan, then you know that this is week three in our 35th anniversary celebration of Transformers the movie. Uh, So far, we have heard from Flint Dilly. We've heard from the original screenwriter, Ron Friedman. We've heard from voice actors that are associated with the movie. And this week, we are also doing, as, as double duty, we are doing part two of my conversation with music composer Vince DiCola. For those of you who have heard the part one of our conversation, it was, first of all, it was a dream come true to be able to talk with the man and be able to get such a great insight on his experience and then going into um, such great um, such great stories on staying alive and then moving into Rocky Four. We had such a great talk and there was so much in- material there that I knew as we were approaching the one hour mark that we were not going to be able to do justice to Transformers the movie in that period of time. I couldn't just say, and you did Transformers the movie and that's it. You know, We couldn't do that. So I knew that we had to have Vince back and that opened the door for me to invite him back to be a part of this 35th anniversary celebration. Just like I said with, uh, with Mike Seibert a few weeks ago when he asked the same question that he always gets asked, why this movie? Why is it that Transformers the movie is being celebrated the way it is on your show, on, on this show, on any other podcasts, through Hasbro, whatever? What is it? What is it about this movie? Why are we celebrating this movie? And my answer is always simple, because it deserves to be celebrated. And everything that comes out of this movie was start to finish ballsy. It was, it was, everything seemed to be a risk. And one thing that I knew was going to be a slam dunk was not going to be a risk was having Vince DiCola as the music composer. Uh, if you had heard the score from Rocky four, you knew that, um, that when you saw that name, you knew that, that this movie was going to be in good hands. It definitely was over 35, 35 years now. Um, and this movie continues to be celebrated the way that it has. And to this day, Transformers the movie is in, at least in my collection, one of the most replayed soundtracks I've ever owned. And so it's a great thrill to have Vince back here. Ladies and gentlemen, Vince DiCola. Vince, how are you, sir? 
I'm fine. Thank you again for having me on. This is uh, this is fun. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just glad, I'm so glad you had you had a great time the first time around. I am so thankful you came back for this one. And uh, and it's and it's fitting, too, because, you know, we got some um, unfinished business. There are some there are some uh, later um, developments of stuff that, that you were talking about before that was in the works and yes. has now really come to light. You have a new album now out, right? Absolutely. Came out in June. It's called uh, Vince DiCola, Only Time Will Tell. And it features vocalists that I've worked with over the last probably 30, 35 years, actually right around the time of Transformers. And uh, the album came out on a record label called Escape Music in mm -hmm. June of, of this year. And um, so far it's it's doing really well and it's getting great reviews. And there's actually some songs that are getting on the radio. So I could not be happier, especially since this material has been, you know, a lot of it has been written over the last three and a half decades. It's not new material, um, but it's good material. And it's, it's yeah. material that's been sitting around for a long time. So finally, a record label came forward and said, this stuff needs to, to be out. So I'm very, very grateful to Escape Music. Excellent. And this is this is all original music. Like it's not any covers of, of previous songs. Absolutely. All original. Fabulous. Fabulous. The the title of, of the of the album, Only Time Will Tell, was just like, oh, like Asia. But then, you know, <laughs> so I thought that maybe that was a cover of that. So it's good to hear that that's not that's not the case. Uh, no, only, you know, nothing, nothing against Asia. I love that song. But you know, still, <laughs> it's uh, always good. It's always good to get, you know, get that uh, all the uh, the more original music that's out there, the better. Absolutely. Only Time Will Tell is the name of one of the songs on the record that I did with Steve Walsh from Kansas. Oh, and, awesome. And uh, uh, the the head of the label thought that that would be a fitting title for the whole record. And I agreed. Fabulous. Fabulous. And uh, and then we also have some really big news that has come to light recently. Um, Sylvester Stallone has, um, from what I understand, I think he's finished, either finished or is finishing the director's cut of Rocky four. And yes. from what I heard, I've, you know, like I'm, I'm really excited about this. He has, uh, he said that it's going to be coming out in November. It's going to be called Rocky versus Drago. And then underneath it's going to say Rocky for the director's cut. Um, and it's also going to be in theaters, which is really, which is really cool. Yes. So, um, how was, how was your experience working on the director's cut for that? Um, working on, I'm sorry, working on the what? On the director's cut, did he did he bring oh, you in to do any additional uh, music? I I hope you know I don't know yet. Um, there was a conversation with his assistant, and I made myself available in case he needed either extra music or help on editing the music that's already there. Um, mm -hmm. And they they took my number, and actually Sylvester said, "Don't get me the number of his manager or his agent. I want Vince's direct number." <laughs> So I didn't hear from him, but so I assume everything was fine. But, you know, I'll find out pretty much the same time everybody else finds out how much of my music is kept. And I'm hoping all of it is. And I'm hoping some of it was even used more often than it was originally. So I'm yeah. excited. I, I am, too. This I've always gotten a kick out of Rocky Four anyway. Like, you know, it's it's always a, just a really fun movie. It's always something that you can just put on and enjoy and you know get get take it swept up by it Absolutely. um and a big part of that is that score i love i i've been a fan of that score for ever since i first heard it and i was so glad that there were parts of it um on the soundtrack when i got it and yes. even and even better you know like from our first discussion 
the versions that are on there, the war and training montage are the demos that got you the got you the job. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I really lucked out. Um, And I've been thinking about this a lot over the last couple of years for some reason. It's I had the advantage uh, and the luxury of writing most of the music for Rocky Four before the movie even went into production. Wow. And that means that when I got to uh, see some footage from it, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't have to write big new themes. They, they were already written. I just had to adjust them to the picture. So that the way it worked out was was uh, especially because it's my first film score, you know, first film score experience. Um, it was fantastic. And it, uh, and it turned out great. It sounds like Stallone kind of did the temp track approach with it. How you know, like he took the music and then that inspired him to make the scenes to fit yes. it. And then yes. it was just a matter of readjusting the yes. the, set, the the music that's great yeah that's great that's yep. that's so cool um and then getting to you know like the main the main crux of, of us being here um that experience working with stallone getting that score out as good as it was it also attracted the attention of tom griffin and joe bacall yes and so tell us a little bit about that meeting how that happened well, it's uh, they did approach me because they appreciated the score to Rocky Four, and it you know I had no knowledge of the Transformers franchise going into it. You know, oh. obviously I'm I'm I was too old to appreciate the toys. You know, I was I was past that point. Right. Um, so I really didn't know a whole lot. I didn't even know that there was a TV show, and okay. um, you know the whole thing was pretty surreal in that. At first, I didn't see the connection between Rocky Four and Transformers. I didn't understand why they came to me yeah. for such a different movie, or at least what I thought was such a different movie. But the more I spoke to them and the producers, um, the more I realized that uh, there is some common ground mm-hmm. between them, you know, the good versus evil thing. And uh, yeah, so so I made it very clear that I did not know about Transformers when I went in, and I purposely made it clear also that um, I didn't want to listen to any of the music from the TV show. I didn't want to be yeah. uh, influenced at all by that. So I really, it was, it was a, from, from the first meeting that I had, uh, although it was, it was, you know, very well received on my part, it was just a very surreal experience, but um, yeah, they, they approached me specifically because they liked the Rocky four score. That's great. That's great. And, and, um, so they, uh, from what I understand, like they asked you to put together like a certain, like a collection of themes, correct? That, yes. um, that yes. would, that would eventually become, I think it's the track is called legacy, right? Yes. I'm very proud of that track, even though nothing was used of it from the, <laughs> uh, from in the movie, but it really helped me. What well, it definitely got me the job and, you know, I, I didn't have any footage to look at. I, I was just going on what the story that they were telling me and, mm-hmm. uh, they basically said, we want you to come up with a main theme for the the good guys, so to speak. And another main theme for the bad guys. We want some war music. We want some mm-hmm. battle music. And we want some, as they called it, peace after the war music. And, and uh-huh. I took, took that as a template. And mm-hmm. I wrote this six-minute piece called Legacy. And uh, they loved it. They said, let's go. Nice, nice. Now, did they say anything about Unicron? Because Unicron himself has such uh, an amazing theme himself, and the it's so ominous, and it, the way that it starts off the whole movie just really kind of lets the lets the viewer know 
this is this is not going to be anything that like anything that we had seen the previous two years. So this is, you know, that sort of ominous, like, you know, just real threatening kind of music. And at the same time, it has such a great beat to it and just really kind of gets gets the mood going, really gets it set up that this is like a a real threat here. Did they bring that? Did they show you any sort of storyboards or anything of Unicron or was it just from the script that you got they, to know by. They did show me storyboards. Um, I mean, of course, I would have preferred having uh, visuals, you know, moving visuals to look at, but they weren't at that part of the production yet. So, right. uh, yeah, they definitely told me about Unicron and how the movie was going to open, and they gave me these storyboards to write to, which, you know, uh, I always tell people at that first meeting, they asked if I was experienced with writing score to um, uh, storyboards. Mm-hmm. Of course, I said yes, but I had never had any experience. <laughs> you always say yes. That's what Absolutely. they always say. It's like, no yeah. matter what, can you ride and a luckily, horse? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And luckily, my brain kicked in and didn't say, oh, no, I've never done that before. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and then it was very tough. I have to say it was a big challenge writing to storyboards. And I I hope not to do it again. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, it would have been better to have some footage to look at. Um but you know what? I did. I did the best I could. I wasn't sure how they were going to receive it. Mm-hmm. They, re- they. I don't think they asked me to redo one thing. I mean, they wow. uh, the music that I was handing in, they were very happy with. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, that kind of that surprised me because uh, not that I not that I expected to disappoint them, but the music that I was writing was based in progressive rock. Yeah. And 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 I really didn't think that was going to get over, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ends up that they loved they loved the style and uh, and uh, you know the rest is history as they say. Oh yeah, and I having listened to the um, the lighting their darkest hour uh, till all are one, and I think it's the protoform sessions. Um, yeah, so like they all um, seem to include a different take of the Transformers theme. Obviously, yes. like obviously the one that we hear in in the movie is by Lion. And, you know, which I mean, you want to talk about getting getting you started off on the right foot between the ominous thread of the Unicron theme and then moving right into the drum beats of starting up the Transformers theme. Like, I mean, you know, we're we're 10 years old. We have no chance like it's (laughs) we're going to get sucked in whether we like it or not. And fortunately, I loved it. So I, I was I was really into it but yeah. the um, but i was really interested on the development of those earlier versions of the transformers theme because so i think uh stan stan bush did one of them correct yes yes um you know i'm not sure they must have come to me you know it's been so long they must have come to me at some point after they had lion they want to they wanted me to do an alternate version yeah and and of course it made sense to use stan because of our uh, history together writing other or you know writing uh dare for the movie right and um and of course stan being involved in the touch and uh mm-hmm. you know they had me they they asked me to write another version and uh luckily you know even though it wasn't used in the movie it it has gained some attention over the years and um when uh, the record company entrada put out uh the score mm-hmm. i guess it was about seven or eight years ago now they um, I, well, let me let me correct that. You might know this more than I. Did they include that alternate version on that release? I can't remember. 
I know that I'm not sure about the the score. You know, like I know that it, I don't think it was part of it was not part of the 20th anniversary release. Right, right. Um, right. And that's the last one that I know of that was that was released. I know because I had gotten Lighting Their Darkest Hour um, and Till All Are One and uh, Protoform Sessions years before that. Um, I think I got Till All Are uh, Lighting Their Darkest Hour in 2001, um, and then from and then from there on. Uh, so, but the Lighting Their Darkest Hour, that one had Stan on it. Yeah, and I think now that I think about it, the reissue by Sony Music, uh, which I believe came out in 2007. Six. 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 It, yeah. I, I believe, uh, my, if memory serves, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe they did put the alternate theme on that. Oh, nice. Okay. And, and that was great. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so as this is going, as this is coming together, um, did they also, I mean, obviously you worked on Dare yourself. Yes. Um, as the other music was coming in, were you able to kind of put in your two cents on those? Or is it just like, these are what's, this is other things that, that we have coming in. You know, honestly, I did not hear any of the other songs until really? after the, after I did the score, I, I basically, I didn't have time to listen to anything. I mean, it was, it was uh, to compare. I had um, something like uh, maybe two, two to three months to write 37 minutes of music for Rocky four. Wow. Whereas I had, uh, six weeks to compose, deliver, and mix um, 70 minutes of music for Transform. Jeez. So I just wow. didn't have the time to, to listen to any of the other music. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I just, I was, I was going on fumes, basically, you know, just trying, <laughs> to get this, trying to get this thing finished in time. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and what, um, what sort of what sort of setup did you use for it? Was it just like it was full on synthesizer, correct? Oh, yeah. Uh, I had a blast. Um, my friend Casey Young brought his whole rig over. Mm -hmm. I had worked with Casey, um, fantastic synth programmer. I had worked with him both on Staying Alive and on Rocky Four. So it made sense for me, especially because I knew it was going to be an electronic score, a synth yeah. score. You know, they didn't have the budget for an orchestra. And looking back, I'm kind of happy about that because yeah. the way the score turned out was very fitting for their yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it was a perfect fit for that whole era. Like, it really yeah. Was. And, um, you know, for me to walk in a studio and have a room full of synthesizers, oh. uh, it, it's like a kid in a candy store. It's I was really about to good. say that, kid in a candy store. Exactly. Yeah. So that inspired me so much. And there were actually some cues like um, Drago's entrance, for instance, for instance, yeah. uh, in the main fight, mm -hmm. where the synthesizers uh, influenced my writing. And mm. we wrote right. I mean, I wrote right on the spot using, you know, Casey would just say, OK, he'd go around to his his arsenal of keyboards and say, yeah. I'm going to get this sound up on this one, this sound up. And you just use whatever you think is right for a foundation. And then we'll add some stuff later. And those sounds influenced certain cues that being one of them and yeah. uh can't you know i'm so happy about that great <laughs> just, just look just looking at i wish you guys could see like the smile that vince has on his face because like somebody who is so who is you know like just you know just so you know like born out of out of this you yes. know like out of the out of this this sort of style of music and everything like it was it was perfect for for everything that it needed to be Yes, and and it it really and it's just so much fun to listen to, and um, 
now there were three tracks that made their way into the soundtrack. Uh, yes. In the original soundtrack, there was Escape, uh, which mm -hmm. is actually like, a, you know, has, you know, a, a decent amount of humor in that whole sequence. It's all, yeah. you know, getting the Dinobots on the ship and um, Cup, you know, like, uh, you know, bringing up some, you know, different things about the on Alpha 9, the Petro Rabbits and, you know, and um, definitely gives that, that, same, that good, like, kind of a little bit of a lighthearted tone to it. Then yes. you have Autobot Decept Decepticon Battle, which is just pulse pumping and it just it doesn't really let up and which is exactly the way that the Decepticons were in that whole sequence on the first attack on Autobot City right um so that was that was great to hear you know like as a kid but then a couple tracks earlier the third track on that on that first side of that cassette everything kind of you know like I had you know obviously they they started out with the touch and then right. went to instruments of destruction but then all of a sudden we slowed it down a bit for Death of Optimus Prime. Ah, now my favorite pieces from the score. Tell us a little bit about that because that was, you know, like um, I was saying to, I was saying to Flynn, I was saying to Ron, I was saying to like everyone that can listen that that whole three minutes of animation, everything about that was pure perfection. Every single thing worked, and that's and that score couldn't have been and it couldn't have been a you know a better score at that moment it was everything and it was fabulous the animation the writing the voice acting it just everything just worked and yes. i knew you know like as as i'm watching this and everything as i'm watching um the light fade out of optimus's eyes the color drain from his body his head turning to one side daniel crying over him and everything it was just like you know these I know that the overall tone, the overall mandate from Hasbro was phase out the 84 line, bring in the 86 line. And, but at the same time, you guys knew that this was going to be a big moment, correct? I did not. And I'll tell you, it goes back to uh, coming into the project with no knowledge of the franchise, no knowledge of the characters. Yeah. Um, when, when the, when that scene, uh, when the storyboards came across, for that scene, you know, I believe that they told me, you know, knowing that I didn't know anything about the franchise, I believe they said, listen, this is the, this is a big moment in the movie. Um, it's the death of a main character. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the fans are going to be reacting very strongly to this. So mm -hmm. that was the direction I had. That's all the direction I had. Wow. And, and uh, you know, I, I came up, I just, thought of the saddest music I could write and, <laughs> and the most intense. And uh, um, I, I really lucked out with that again, not knowing anything about the characters going into it. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's funny that when I play that piece live, especially for transformers fans, they, there's a lot of tears shed. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah. When, we, when I performed that at um, I'm trying to think when it was in uh what was the event called? Uh, was it BotCon? No, it was a, a big gaming event. Um, I, it, the name escapes me now, but it was back in 2018. Mm. And um, like a Dragon Con or something? or It was one of the cons. It's yeah. a shame that I cannot think of it. But anyway, they, they hired me to or they asked me to perform. And that was one of the pieces. And uh, my wife, who knows nothing about Transformers, she <laughs> said even she was crying when she heard wow. the music. And yeah. And, and we had some video playing, of course, behind the, the band. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's, I'm glad that that connected so well with fans. 
Absolutely. It's, it kind of reminded me just, you know, from the way you were saying that it reminded me of something that uh, Daphne Rubin Vega was told by Jonathan Larson when she was um, auditioning for Rent and wondering like what song, you know, what song to, how to sing it and everything. And Jonathan just said, just make me cry. And so (laughs) (laughs) that's basically what, you know, like what, what you did, it was just like, okay, this is going to be a major character. The the audience is going to react this way. Just make them cry. (laughs) <laughs> well, it, it obviously worked because I think it every time we performed it, there were tears. There were tears. Yeah, yeah. it's it really is just a really it's a beautiful piece. And it's something that I strongly recommend, like anyone, whether or not you're a Transformers fan. You know, this is a piece of music you have to listen to um, because it it's it's a it's a perfect meld of the music with the scene and like I said, everyone just on their A game and knowing exactly what's to come. Even the even just like the short the the short version of the notes that you got, um, you know, you still knew exactly what to you know what to what to do it, how to apply it, and what to really kind of push on. Like the reveal of the matrix of leadership. Yeah. And then there's a little bit of a, a choral uh, sound yeah. there. Yes. What was that? You know, like uh, you just knew like that was. That was something that was going to demand that. Well, again, it was a, it was a big moment, and yeah. uh, it, it just felt uh, almost angelic to me. And you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, the choir just made sense. The choir sound, and that's another. I think another instance where Casey got up that sound. Oh, and it inspired me to to uh, to bring in that that choir sound along with a, little, a couple little sequencers uh, that are going on at the same time. Yeah. But yeah, choir just made the most sense. Yeah, and then um, and then um, as the as the score as the movie itself goes on, um, you have the, the terrific scene between Megatron and Unicron, the formation of Galvatron, and then killing Starscream. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of goes into its own. Everyone, everyone who's left is basically <laughs> like able to go on on their on with the story. And um, did you notice a, like a, like a shift or anything in the music? Did you, you know, like, cause I, there are obviously the parts that are still very threatening with Galvatron uh, pursuing them um, with the, you know, with the ships and everything going down. And then obviously the, the big reveal at the end when Unicron transforms. So like, um, th- were you, as you were going, did you notice like a, like a tonal shift or something, or is it just, um, was it, was it kind of instinct that you knew to just kind um, of lighten it up a little bit here and there? That's a hard question to answer because I, again, I was writing to these storyboards and as I think about it, as we're talking right now, you know, I I've told people in the past that I wasn't exactly happy with how the music turned out because it was, it was edited so much from the original versions that I handed in because yeah. the film had to be changed, you know, as, as, as it was coming in. Yeah. And, um, I, I was, I didn't think I had done a good job writing to the storyboards, but you know, then I saw the movie and, and in the years since Mm -hmm. it's amazed me that as, as inexperienced as I was writing to storyboards and as bad as I thought it turned out, Mm -hmm. it turned out great. You know, I mean, for the fans and uh, um, when I'm sitting in a theater watching it with fans, it's it's an interesting experience. And I'm so I'm so proud and I'm so surprised that it turned out, you know, as well as it did with just me writing to the storyboards. 
Excelsior Journeys will return after this brief message about the Hole in the Wall Gang Camp. Founded in 1988 by Paul Newman, the Hole in the Wall Gang Camp provides a different kind of healing to more than 20,000 seriously ill children and family members annually, all completely free of charge. For many of these children and families, Hole in the Wall provides multiple camp experiences throughout the year at the facility in Ashford, Connecticut, in more than 40 hospitals and clinics, directly in camper homes and communities, and through other outreach activities across the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic. I'm going to have this link available so you can go ahead and click on the button there and donate just as I am this month. All you have to do is go to holeinthewallgang.org. If I can go back for a second, George, to yeah. the uh, subject of death of Optimus Prime. Absolutely. Yeah. And this will this will hopefully come out in uh, over the next year. We performed some Rocky material, some Transformers material, some Staying Alive material at the Whiskey A Go-Go in 2018. Um, cool. And and it's it's so uh, unfortunate that it's taken this long to get around to mixing it and getting the, it. It's going to be a video. Oh, nice. And one of the things we did, and I'm so glad I had this idea. One of my favorite shows on TV is called The Blacklist. And okay. I saw a scene in this show, and again, this was a, a death of a main character in the show. Yeah, and and they used the song uh, "Sound of Silence" by the group. Dis- What's well, by Simon Disturbed, Bar- right? Disturbed did the. Version. Oh, that's a great cover. That's- and it is a great cover. And I thought, you know, I, I I thought this. I must have seen it shortly before I put the 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 music together for the other event that I was trying to remember the name, and I still can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, you know what, why don't I incorporate that into Death of Optimus Prime since it had such an effect on me. And it was it was another instance where it was the death of a main character in, in a show. Yeah. And uh, you'll hear that when the video comes out. And, and I'm really, really happy about that. I'm really proud of that, how we did it. And uh, so I'm glad that the idea occurred to me and, and you'll hear it hopefully sometime over the next year. I am really, really excited about that. Now, this is this is actually like a great way to kind of dovetail into what um, what else I was asking about was um, now those three songs were the only ones that were the only pieces of the score that were available on the soundtrack. Yes. But then in the I want to say like late 90s, early 2000s, that's when all of a sudden you could order Lighting Their Darkest Hour from right. a website. Right. Now, tell us a little bit about that. Like um, how that was, how that came about. Well, I have to say, um, lighting their darkest hour and protoform sessions and art, artistic. Uh, what's the piano solo? Artistic, oh, artistic transformations. That's Thank you. something I, I wanted. Like that's going to be its own section, right? You know, like uh, yeah, okay, I, yeah. Um, the the ideas came from Glenn Hallett, who was the originator, original um, organizer of Botcon when I went to. Rochester, New York in 1997. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was his idea to put these records together. And uh, uh, thank God, you know, because I, there just wasn't an, the amount of score on the original soundtrack that I had hoped for, obviously. Yeah. But I, I understood, of course, that the, they had to make room for all the other song, vocal songs. And thank yeah. God, one of, one of the vocal songs was mine, you know. So yeah. <laughs> I understood. Um, but I was really, really happy when Glenn had the idea to release the whole score. 
Yeah. And, and that was uh, the first iteration of, um, you know, hearing everything. And then, of course, Entrada in uh, seven or eight years ago, they, they put it out on vinyl and on CD. And I could oh, not be right. happier about that. That's great. That is yeah. so cool. And then you have, um, and then the protoform. What's really interesting is uh, the protoform sessions have introductions from you yes. for each for each one. So yes. basically, just it's almost like um, like storytellers from VH1. Um, how like the how they would always just like start a little bit, you know, talk a little bit about the song that they that they're about to play, and then just jumping right into it. Right. Um, so it, it gives it like a really cool experience. Like, like it's, it's almost like you're sitting in on in a concert, basically. Well, again, I, I credit Glenn. That was his idea, you know, yeah. to set up each piece by talking about it. And at first I was very nervous about that. I had never done that. And uh, before that, um, mm -hmm. but it turned out pretty good, I have to say. Yeah. And then you have um, um, and then uh, think till till all are one. Was that just like a. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that like just a combination of like the score and the and the soundtrack? Uh, I believe disc two of that was the Stan Bush material. Um, gotcha. That that was not most of which was not related to Transformers. And I'm operating from memory here because it's been a long, long time. Yeah. Um, and I have so many versions sitting around, you know, so many CDs <laughs> and vinyl. Yeah. Uh, but I believe again it was Glenn's idea. Let's have one. Uh, let's have a double CD where one disc is your score and the other disc is Glenn's music, original yeah. music. And uh, again, that worked out very well. And mm -hmm. fans seem to be very, they, re they received that very well. Yeah. And then, um, and then the big one, which I, as soon as I heard that you had done this, I was like, I have to have this. And which would be artistic transformations. Yes. And if anyone, you know, fans get it because it is, it is selections from the score done as piano solos. Yes. And it's, it's beautiful. It really well, thank is. You. I'm really proud. Of I, it. I am. I'm so thrilled for that. That's such an inspiring album too, for whenever I need to like, just sit down and write. That's a perfect one to just kind of have on and have on as a loop, just so that way I can just have that going in the background while I'm trying to work out this, this scene or that scene, or I had already, you know, like I had already used other, soundtracks to kind of like to say like well this this is going to inspire this scene and this scene and this scene so it's basically like creating my own temp track but then when it comes to the actual writing of it i need to have something something um simple gentle and something that can be played on the back in the background but actually but also something that's that's really really good um something that won't take me out of the moment and just say like what the hell is this you know so <laughs> right and you know, like the artistic transformations album that accomplishes all of that. And then some. Well, thank you. Um, just as, as an aside on that, uh, you know, music technology obviously advances all the time. And when I, when I did the artistic transformations, I had limited uh, uh, equipment at that time to reproduce the sound of a grand piano. And since then there's been so many things that have come out that have done so much better. So i I am thinking of re-releasing that record, redoing it with, um, you know, the the better sounds, a better piano sound, Ooh. the more authentic grand piano sounds. And since since I have what they call the MIDI performances in my sequencer, yeah. it's not a matter it's not a matter of me having to play it all again. I can just adjust 
to this new technology and yeah. it'll, it'll be the same arrangements, the same performance, everything. So I'm, I'm seriously considering that. And I may, if, if that comes about, I may put uh, a few bonus tracks on that. Oh, so, um, well, yeah. you, you're, you're, you already have my money for that. So, right. uh, right. so um, yeah, so definitely do that. And I know that there are, you know, thousands, if not millions of other fans of this movie that would just absolutely eat that up. So um I, I would say yes. You know, like you, you have, you have my blessing <laughs> as, as a fan, as 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 a fan, just someone who has just um, committed himself to just kind of steeping myself in all of this. Um, anything that that has to do with with Transformers a movie, especially anything that has to do with this music, um, will always get a will always get a thumbs up from me. Um, I know. Thank you. And you know, like I know, I I want to hear more. I know the fans want to hear more. And so everything that you have done, you know, like for this score, um, as it really, it really means a lot. It means, it means a lot to the fans that you, yeah. that you brought this kind of quality to it, that you, you know, that you, that you put, that you created it the way that you did. And um, I, I know I can't thank you enough for it. And I know that uh, there are many other fans that feel the same way. Well, I'm, I'm, I feel truly blessed in that the music has withstood the test of time, as they say. And, uh, you know, I didn't think of that. I didn't think of longevity when I wrote the music. I just thought I'm going to create music, obviously, that's right for the movie, but also music that will stand on its own and that I will enjoy listening to apart from the movie. Yeah. Um, so I'm truly blessed with both Rocky Four and Transformers that this music has lasted as long as it has an interest in it has lasted as long as it has. I'm, I'm uh, very, very lucky about that. All right, that is a wrap for part three of this Transformers the Movie 35th Anniversary Celebration. Thank you so much, Vince DiCola, for coming back to the show and providing even more amazing information. There will be a link in the show notes that you can go ahead and click on, and that will take you over to Vince's latest album. All the best on that, my friend. And thank all of you for listening in. This has already been a great miniseries, and we are not done yet. Next week is the aftermath of Transformers the movie. We're going to be talking with Flint Dilly again regarding everything that came immediately after the movie. And we're also going to be talking with F.J. DeSanto, the executive producer and showrunner of the Transformers War for Cybertron trilogy on Netflix. We're going to hear from the current torchbearer of this franchise. Until then, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward until all are one. Thank you for listening to the Excelsior Journeys miniseries celebrating the 35th anniversary of Transformers the movie. Thank you for donating to the Hole in the Wall gang camp. Thank you, Zach Comtois, for providing the intro and outro to this miniseries. For more information about Excelsior Journeys, please go to he'sgotit.com slash podcasts. 